My name is Keith Fowle. I'm joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, none other than the number one Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris, everybody. Yo, what's up, everybody? And you know him, you love him, the number one high school football coach in the nation today, my cousin, Sammy O'Hare, in the building. Sammy, what's up, man? What's going on, everyone? Sorry, guys. I think the, the beginning of the intro might have got cut off there, but you guys get the gist. We're coming in hot. No video, no nothing today. All right, guys, we haven't talked to you in a few weeks since the championship games, which are both interesting games, how they played out. I think the Eagles got dealt a pretty easy hand there. A battle between the Chiefs and the Bengals, which is awesome. We'll get into that. We'll get into our playoff picks. What we haven't had a chance to talk to you guys about or each other about it all is the new offensive coordinator here with the Jets, Nathaniel Hackett. And we also hired an offensive line coach, Keith Carter. I'm interested to hear what the guys think about this hire. I know Nathaniel Hackett as a head coach last year. Had a lot of issues there in Denver. I mean, some of those, I think Mike knows, a lot of Jet people have said the structure there in Denver maybe isn't the best, maybe behind the scenes not the best. Russell Wilson, I don't know what happened to him. I don't know what happened to Russell Wilson. You can blame it on Nathaniel Hackett if you want. No problem. Clock management issues. None of that matters when the offensive coordinator. You know, so uh, when it comes to this hire here, when I'm looking at the landscape and looking at the guys that were available to grab, was there a lot better candidates available to us? I can't say there's many out there. I know when you look at what Daniel Hackett's been able to do as an offensive coordinator with Buffalo 2013 season, EJ, EJ, EJ Manuel and a bunch of other really bad quarterbacks there. They will have the number two rushing attack in the league. Uh, he moved with Doug Marone on to Jacksonville. And when he was there for two years, did have success his first year, especially they went to the AFC championship game. Um, they were the number six overall offense. When it comes to rushing attack, number one in the NFL. Okay, with number two with Buffalo and rushing attack. And then you look what he went and did with the Packers, guys. I mean, Aaron Rodgers won the MVP both years he's there with Hackett. Now it's Aaron Rodgers. I get it. You're always going to be discredited if you're coaching one of the GOATs. Totally. Unless you're Bill Belichick, right, guys? Bill Belichick's the greatest. He's the greatest coach of all time, even though Tom Brady's his quarterback. Aside from Bill Belichick, all the other guys kind of get a little shade thrown on him if your success is tied to a great player, a la Adam Gase as the offensive coordinator for Peyton Manning. And we are we're like, well, it's Peyton Manning. But that said, the best season Rodgers ever had was with Hackett. He won two MVPs. And even that rushing attack, guys, the, the first season there, he was there with Rodgers 2019. They were eighth in the league when it comes to rushing. So I'm interested to, interested to hear what you guys think, Mike. Let's start off with you. Nathaniel Hackett's here. We know LaFleur got canned. We know LaFleur was kind of a neophyte when it came to being an offensive coordinator. Now he landed on his feet with the Rams. Um, That's nice. But... We have a guy here now, much more experienced. And when you go through the stats, and we have them all here, and we're going to tell Jet fans a lot of them in a moment. Five years as an offensive coordinator for Hackett, Mike. Four of those five years, pretty successful, especially considering the context of the personnel he had in Buffalo and in Jacksonville. Right, Mike? Yeah, so there's three main takeaways from Nathaniel Hackett. One, you're getting someone with experience. We did have a neophyte in LaFleur. Now we have someone with five years experience in the OC spot, as Keith alluded to. Number two, we're getting someone who is locker room friendly. Players like playing for Nathaniel Hackett. All you hear, wherever he's been, whether it's Buffalo, Jacksonville, Green Bay, and eh, I don't know if I want to say the Denver Broncos, if the players really liked him from a head coaching perspective, but in the locker room, his personality, he exudes a lot of positivity. That's a good thing. And number three is relationships. The man has relationships with former players, with former coaches. 
has networking. He understands what needs to occur in this business. That's something that we really didn't have with Mike LaFleur. He wasn't experienced. He did not get along with all of the different players. And he really just came from the Sala, his brother, tree and didn't yeah. have that diversity of a profession so those are the positive things some negative things regarding hackett really center around his play calling he's not the best play caller from everything i've heard however what he is is that he understands how to utilize the running game the most when you look at all the different offenses that he ran or uh led he always had a strong running game. The passing game, the offense was predicated around the running game. C.J. Spiller up in Buffalo. He in Jacksonville. He had Leonard Fournette. They got to the AFC Championship. Very similar to the type of offense that the Jets are going to be running with a good defense and solid running game. And then you look at what he did, uh, um, not calling plays, but um, you know, engineering the type of plays that were executed in Green Bay. <clears throat> when it comes to Denver. I know a lot of people are going to look at that and say, wow, he failed there. The man had more responsibilities than just being an OC. One, two, he tried to get Russell Wilson to uh, play to his system and not really put use the system to play to his strengths. Number three, lost Javante Williams, so he didn't have the running uh, game that he really wanted to use. So things just kind of fell apart for him. So now he goes back to uh, knowing someone, Robert Sala, who he worked with, with in Jacksonville. He's going to a team that's going to have a better, more, more improved offensive line. He has a healthy Brees Hall, strong running game. And now he's looking for that prototypical pocket passer so that he can execute the offense that he needs. He knows he can execute. So I think from that perspective, what the Jets are looking for, what Sala was looking for, they got somebody, they got the best uh, uh, person out there, in my opinion, based on, you know, who is out there. Like, you yeah. know what you're going to get with this dude. And uh, again, is he the best? No, but I would say he is what we need uh, going into next season. Yeah, and sometimes you have to make sure you're grounded when you look at these hires insofar as what else was available to the Jets. Who else were they going to get as offensive coordinator now? There's not a long list. There's not a dozen guys out there that just kill it as an offensive coordinator that are available because they either became a head coach or they're working somewhere as an offensive coordinator. That's kind of how it works, right, guys? So I, don't, I think out of what was available and what the Jets are trying to do, which is when we had success this year, it was running the ball and run the offense through that run game. And historically in the NFL, Mike and I were talking about this earlier. I mean, even look at the Eagles right now. Jalen Hurts is great. And we haven't had a quarterback like him in – my entire life, Jalen Hurts. Talented, can throw the ball for sure. But what Philly does well is run the ball. They're one of the top rushing attacks in the NFL. They play great defense. And that's what we were doing last year when we were successful. And when you go through his track record, Sammy, when you look at the track record that he has here, Hackett, I know he's someone that has been criticized for maybe not being um, the sexiest with play calls. Maybe he's a little conservative. But the proof is in the pudding, at least when it comes to the run game. Or everywhere he's gone, they've been really good. And it seems like the rushing attack is something he's able to really get the best out of everyone. And that's probably going to be, regardless who the queue is next year. Now, if it's Rodgers, changes everything. I don't even want to talk about that right now. That, that, that's down the line. We'll get to Aaron Rodgers, guys. But I think the team, regardless, is going to be run. The, the offense, I should say, will be run through the ground game. 
through Brees Hall next year like it was this year when we were successful. And I think this Sammy is a guy that is going to be able to get the best out of Brees Hall and definitely get the best out of our run game. Yeah, I agree. I think especially when you go through the run, right? Because what you're doing is you're forcing defense. Anybody can be a really good passer in that kind of environment, right? So Jalen Hurts has all these weapons. But the reason that those guys are open is because there's seven, eight guys in the box on any given play to stop everything up front. So, of course, when you have talented guys on the outside, they're going to be open in man coverage 50% of the time, right? Which makes a guy like Saucy super rare, right? But most of the league doesn't have a Saucy. So, you know, I like the higher. I, th I think last year with the Broncos, some guys just don't have the ability to be a head coach and call plays. As Jet fans, we've seen it a million times. Yeah. Right? Other teams get lucky where you get a guy like Andy Rooney who's done it for 20 years, right? So he's the head coach and he calls the plays and he's really successful and good at it. But that guy is rare in the NFL and those guys don't really last a very long time. Off the top of my head, like McVay, Peyton, and Reed, right? Are like those top three guys kind of who have seen a lot of success, but also are able to call plays on the football field. So I like to hire a lot, I think. He's going to be good for us. I think he's the best available option. And I think it also gives you a little bit of a leg up when you're talking Roger stuff, which, like you said, we're not getting into. But <laughs> I think it does give you a little bit of a leg up compared to. I mean, you heard Aaron Rodgers say that when Hackett was leaving, you know, he didn't want him to leave. He gushed about him. Aaron Rodgers isn't somebody historically in his career that has a lot of compliments and bouquets and all these wonderful things to say about someone unless he really means it like tom brady and Derek jeter and all of these guys they get a microphone in front of them they just they robotically respond to things oh he's a great player man good team player blah blah same bullshit all the time right rogers isn't like that man and i think rogers is pretty sharp and he had a lot of things to say about hackett that were you know if you're a jet fan it'll make you feel good and when you go through some of his uh resume like we said guys just real quick so jet fans know uh, Buffalo, 2012-2013, number two rushing attack in the league. They averaged 144 yards a game. And that's with C.J. Spiller and Fred Jackson, who are okay. Not right. great, but they're okay, right, guys? We're not acting like those are two of the greatest running backs of all time. 2020 with Aaron Rodgers. Now, I know he might not have been calling the plays, but he's very heavily involved in the offense, crafting the offense of what they're going to do. Number one in points, Green Bay, that year. Number four overall. Eighth in the rushing attack, which is basically where he was focused on when it came to that team and that offense. Um, and that's with, you know, they had A.J. Dillon, they had Jones. They were able to utilize them that year better than they ever had. MVP for Rodgers, as we know. Um, we know that 2021 there with um, the Packers, again, number one in scoring, tremendous offense. We know 2017 with Jacksonville, which is the most surprising when I look at it, guys. Number one rushing attack in the league for them. Sixth overall in offense. They had Fournette, like Mike said. They got to the AFC Championship game. They won the AFC South. They went 10-6, and six, the best record. Every other year, Bortles played. Horrible losing record. That year, he was really good. He only got sacked 24 times. He was able to get Bortles to get rid of the ball much faster. Um, he was kind of scapegoated there that next year when Bortles didn't succeed. Marone fired him. They're very close friends. I know he was surprised by that. And then, you know, he got his job with Denver. As Mike said, there were some issues there. Clock management, different things. And I know Sammy mentioned it too. Like, we had Rex Ryan here, guys. That's... That's in my life. One of my him and Parcells are like my favorite coaches of all time, and it's because they brought us success. But also, they kind of had their own personality and way they did things. But Rex, as time went on, we saw probably a better coordinator than a head coach, right? Right. And I mean, to a degree, I don't want to say that about Herm because I mean Herm was a defensive guy, but it seemed like he, he was able to get to everyone. But we've seen it many times. I mean, Gase literally only focused on the offense, and that was it. It was a disaster. 
So it's hard to be able to cover all your bases and do everything. As we've seen historically in the NFL, it's not easy to do. And Hackett, I know, had some trouble there in Denver. I know Russell Wilson. I don't know, guys. We, we, Me and Mike talk about it. Me and our boys talk about it. Is Russell done? Was it just a bad year? You don't often see a guy this deep into his career play that bad. And then the next year, he's just back on track. Right, guys? I yeah, mean, that, but there, there, there's one thing I have to say about it, Keith. He wasn't good the but, year before. Well, Mike, this is what I'll say. And I don't, I don't disagree with you. Because I got into this debate with our friend, Andy McKeel, because of fantasy football reasons, Michael. And he's like, oh, well, look at his stats. And I said, well, hold on a second. Because his stats the year before, you can say his QB rating was good. I think he had 26 touchdowns and six or seven picks. So to Jet fans, to us, Mike, that would be a great year. But here's the thing. If you go look at the season he had, and this is kind of what Mike's saying. Before the last three games of that year, Wilson had 18 touchdowns. And he had like, he had six or seven picks. Then he was not playing well. And his final three games, he played well. But you know why? Like Mike is saying, see, you don't think Seattle knew? You know what they were doing? See, Pete Carroll's a sharp guy. Pete Carroll subtracted Russell Wilson, entered Geno Smith into the same spot, and Geno Smith put up the same exact numbers, if not better. And it's yeah. Geno Smith. That's what I'm saying. To, to your point, Mike. And so. I think, you know, another, another hire we had, Michael, is Keith Carter, offensive line coach here. Now, I don't know how much everybody knows about him or his background. I know offensive line coaches aren't guys that necessarily are the sexiest guys to talk about. But just real quick, former tight end at UCLA, got into a motorcycle accident his freshman year, guys, which ended his playing career. Um, and became a student assistant at UCLA, moved up the ranks since then. 2013 was his first year in the NFL as a quality con- control coach for the offense, which if you don't know, guys, a quality control coach is the coach that's doing that advanced scouting, looking at tape, trying to point out things for the coaches, the higher level coach, kind of an entry level position in the NFL, but everyone starts somewhere. And that's where he started out. Um, Falcons assistant offensive line coach. And then he got the O line coach job for the Titans in 2018 up to 2022. And guys, when I went to the numbers here, now Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry is a problem. If he has a hole, even last year, when you saw the line have a good day, he went off. Can I ask you a question? Go ahead, Mike. What year did Derrick Henry get drafted? Um, it was 2016. Before, I think it was 2016. He sat for yeah. two years too. That, that's right. Well, then and what was the year? And what was the year? And what was the year that Derrick Henry made the Pro Bowl? It was the first year that Carter got there. Oh, well, yeah. was there's a coincidence there? Actually, yeah. I'm so so. <laughs> you know, Demarco Murray was getting most of the carries before Derrick Henry kind of ascended to where he was. And then you look at 2019. So check this out, guys. Just I'm talking about just strictly rushing attack for the Titans. Derrick Henry is tremendous. But he is the type of runner, unlike, say, like a Brees Hall or maybe a Jacob, the smaller guys, he needs a hole. He's not going to catch the ball, juke 10 guys, bust to the outside. He just goes right through the hole 100 miles an hour, and you can't tackle him, right? If he doesn't have the hole, he's going to struggle. <clears throat> but 2019, number three rushing attack in the league, the Titans. 2020, number two rushing attack. 2021, number five. And then last year, they struggled a bit. They were number 13. You look at the sacks, 31 sacks on Tannehill 2019, 24 in 2019, 47 sacks on him a couple of years ago, and then he got sacked 33 times last year. So the offensive line protecting the quarterback was up and down a little bit, but pretty solid. And we saw the Titans guys making pretty deep runs in the playoffs every year before this year. And that line was always talked about as one of the better lines. This year, not so much. And this year, they did struggle. They had some injuries. I know for fantasy football reasons, Derrick Henry had some trouble. He was getting hit behind the line more than any running back in the league, which is not a good sign for your offensive line. But when you look at this guy's resume and what he's been able to do, a lot of success in the run game. And, Mike, I think, again, another guy that when you're looking at old line coaches that are out there, Callahan wasn't going anywhere. All right, that's no problem. 
and you look at the landscape after that, I think it's probably the best guy we could have brought in. Yeah, and again, everyone notice what type of coaches are being brought in. People who excel at making the running game the weapon of choice. You got Nathaniel Hackett, who is a master at making sure that the offense is predicated around the run. You have an offensive line coach who is able to take a uh, player like Derrick Henry and get him to the next level from a blocking perspective, you, leveraging the, the O-line that, that they had, right? So you notice the coaches that they're bringing in. So you can tell that the Jets, where they want to go, where the vision of this team is. And so just saying that, and again, we are talking about Carter. We are talking about the coaches. I, when we start talking about free agency and we talk about the draft, I don't want anyone to be surprised when the Jets pick up an elite running back in the in the offseason or draft another running back high in the draft. They're going after the run hard. Go to Vegas odds. Look at Saquon Barkley's um, odds as a new team. You know, you guys know the Jets are uh, number four. Number four for Barkley. I don't think we're going to get Barkley, obviously. Yeah. But why would they be number four? It just goes to show they know something. This team is trying to run the ball down your throat. And I'm telling you, I don't think that Marco Carter and uh, the rest of that running game is going to be it. I, they're gonna, they may add another piece here because they that is what this team is trying to do. You could see it with the coaches. You see the direction, the type of players we're getting. We're, we're trying to be an elite running game unit. And, uh, and, and, and I think that Carter is going to really help with that direction. Yeah, I think next season is a, you're going to be in a tough spot if you're, say, a Michael Carter. And here's the reason why, Mike. He's not the biggest guy. Last year, he only averaged about three and a half per carry. We didn't really see the production and the, the plays from him last year we saw in his rookie season. And then Bam Knight came in, and as Bam, as the season went on, you know, his last couple games, Bam Knight had some tough games. Prior to that, he was doing pretty well. Um, I think Brees Hall is potential to be one of the best running backs in this entire league. But maybe they want to team up someone elite with him. They don't think Bam Knight or Michael Carter are those guys. I always, Mike, since the jump, I've been saying Michael Carter is a complimentary running back. He's not the guy right. you want getting the ball um, 20 times a game. And I mean, Jet fans know that. I think experts know that. The Jets know that. That's why they drafted Brees Hall. Um, I think Bam Knight showed some flashes last year um, that he could be a good player, and I like him a lot also. But if they want to really attack with this run game, why not go out and get a stud? I, I don't want it to be in the first rounds or anything like that. And I also I don't want them to – really use too much of the salary cap on that position because it doesn't seem to be something that successful teams do. Even if you look at the Chiefs right now, Pacheco is the, the guy getting the ball most, right? And McKinnon, like, it's like they just ignore that position completely on the Chiefs. Um, but, hey, next year that's going to be the approach, guys. We're going to be running the ball. If, if Aaron Rodgers is even here, even with Hackett, um, the Packers ran the ball pretty well. You know, if Carr is here, I think that's going to be the same type of approach. They're going to run the ball a lot. If Jimmy G is here, that'll be the approach because our defense is so good. And this year we ran the ball well. I mean, all those games we were running it, we were winning. You know, we were winning games when Brees Hall was rolling. And we went to Green Bay and smoked them with Brees Hall, you know, running all over the place that day. So I'm excited, guys. I'm excited about both these hires, but I'm more excited about the fifth annual AEBG Awards, which we're about to drop on you right now, guys. Let's go. The fifth annual, guys. Now, we haven't been able to do this um, this month. Normally, we do it right after the season ends, guys. We've had a little time to to really let this all digest, to marinate 
in our brains, who we think is the MVP, the Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, a bunch of other different categories, guys. I'm going to start right at the top. Let's just start right with the biggest one, guys. I'm going to hit you, Sammy. Who do you think this season was the most valuable player on the New York Jets and you're giving the AEBG award to for this year? Um, it was close for me, but I think it's cute. Uh, I think everything we did defensively, the other 10 guys on that team, I think it started with him and it ended with him. Yeah. And all that in games he was out, on plays he was out. Like, yeah, Rankins was huge for us this year, but Q was the motor. And, you know, yeah, Mosley might be calling the plays, but everything is starting up front in football. And he was the most dominant player on the field every time he was. So Q's my guy for team MVP. MVP for Q. Mike, what do you think? You agree with that? You think Quinnins was the most valuable player for the 2022-23 season? Okay. My <laughs> – so I think Quinnin was definitely our best player. No question. If it's not him, it's Sauce. There's a bunch of guys that were amazing on the team. The guy I chose for MVP is absolutely not the best player on the team, but he's the guy to me that drove belief. He's the guy that the team rallied around and said, we can be. And that's Mike White. Because, <laughs> because, because, because we went into the black hole, the abyss, the Zach Wilson sucks, we're done oh my god we did it again and then mike white shows up the white knight it gave the whole fan base belief not just in that oh maybe we have a quarterback in mike white it was that my goodness we got a team we got a real team we got to see it operate and actually have a view into the future right it got the fan base excited. It's why we're now talking about Aaron Rodgers and we're talking about Derek Carr and we're talking about all we need is a quarterback. Mike White showed us the way that it's possible. <laughs> okay? And so for me, he's the MVP because he got us all to, to, to look for better days and know that all we really need to do is improve the quarterback position, have a competent guy. And he got the team to rally around that idea. So... He's my MVP. I mean, look, I think everyone who's listening, you know, if you've been listening to the first 188 episodes, that Mike is Mike's an emotional guy, and Mike <laughs> will make a selection or make a trade in our fantasy league based off emotion. And the way Mike White made Mike feel, I think, is why he's saying this. Because in those games, you saw the Jets have a great offense, this and that. But he went one and three, though. So for me, I get what you're saying, but he lost pretty much every game he started. So um, I understand what you're saying, and. I understand what Mike is saying is that you watched for a few games with just a competent quarterback. What I'm saying, Mike White's great. Just a guy who's average. You actually saw the offense do something. Right. And it involved the quarterback. It wasn't just running the ball up and down the field. Um, For me, guys, I think the MVP, I'm going to agree with Sammy, was Q. I know Mike said that, and Mike knows Q's our best player. But I think most, a lot of the games early in the season, especially after week two and three, we won because of the defense. And I think that defense, when Quinnen is not in there, is a completely different defense. We're a completely different team. 12 sacks for Q this year, two forced fumbles, 55 tackles. He made the Pro Bowl. He's all pro first team, right, at defensive tackle. So Quinnen Williams, to me, is he played this year. 
the way all Jet fans hoped he could play, to the level we all thought he could play. And when we drafted him, all the projections they said about him, man, one day he could be this. He was that guy this year. That's right. And when he wasn't there and didn't play, or he missed a few plays, or, you know, he only played maybe 70% of the snaps. I mean, he missed, missed at least, I know he missed one game. Maybe he missed two games. But the defense is not the same without Q there. And I think Sauce and Mosley and all the other guys, like Sammy was saying, they were all able to be as good as they were because right in the middle of that defensive line is just a bulldozer. And every single team that plays the Jets is like, man, this guy is a problem. This guy is a problem. He was throwing people around all year. To me, Quinn and Williams, MVP, guys. I love the Mike White got an MVP vote from Mike. Um, but Q's it for me. Guys, let's go through some other fun ones here. Let's go over to offensive player of the year. Now, our offense was not great. And I don't, maybe by Mike's standpoint, maybe Mike White's the guy. I don't know. I'll go first this time, guys. For me, there's not a lot of options when it comes to offensive player of the year. I think that if, for instance, Brees Hall played the whole year, probably that's a slam dunk for him. But to me, kind of the, the no-brainer for Keith, at least, is Garrett Wilson for our offensive player of the year. Um, 83 catches for Garrett, 1,100 yards, four touchdowns. Let me hit you with some stats, Jet fans, that you'll like. So 147 targets for our boy last year. Garrett Wilson, that's seventh most in the league, right? But seventh most in the league with the absolute worst quarterbacks throwing on the ball all year, comparatively speaking, to all these other guys in the top 10. And I went through and took a look, guys, of all of the receivers that had 140 and above targets. It's all the guys, all the elite guys, all the number ones, all the guys making 20 million. They're all the guys with 140 up. The only guys who averaged more yards per catch last year than Garrett Wilson who are the 140-plus target guys, are Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, and A.J. Brown. Those might be the best four receivers in the NFL. I just named. Definitely have the four biggest contracts, so Jefferson will shortly, guys. Those four guys I just named, the cream of the crop in the NFL, are the only guys that got that amount of targets to average amount per reception that our boy Garrett Wilson averaged. Not DK, not Kelsey, not Diggs, not C.D. Lamb. Not um, Devonta Smith, not Jamar Chase. None of those cats averaged as much per reception as our boy. And he had Zach Wilson thrown to him for nine games. And Joe Flacco for four other games. And he still managed to do that. That's why, to me, he's the offensive player of the year for our team, Mike. Yeah, same here for everything you just said. Absolutely. Yeah, he's, I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer. What do you think? Garrett, you got Garrett? Who do you got? Yeah, of course. The guy's a beast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there it is. Yeah, I did such a I did such a detailed breakdown. My boys are just like keep it moving. Keep it is. It, it, it is Garrett, man. It's like, it's, uh, I'm not, not following that. You nailed that. Next one. But Mike, next. Next. I think the next uh, guys. I do think the next one. I mean, this this isn't an easy one. I shouldn't say it's a it's a flip between two guys for me. But I'm gonna start off with Mike here, defensive player of the year for the New York Jets. Mike, who do you got? Quinnen. Everything you just said before about the MVP, he was the best player on our team. <laughs> He's the, yeah. to me, best defensive tackle or 1B to uh, the cat from Kansas City in the league right now. Um, I think that he's going to have an amazing career ahead of him and he's a really good person. He deserves a great contract extension. He was everything we wished him to be. Um, he, I think he really grew into his strength and his man body. He was tossing yeah. ch people around like children. And um, I think he's just going to continue to grow and the team is going to um, build around that. I did put out a poll that over 2000 respondents 
uh, over a day and I asked for a three-way trade to see if we would would be okay with um, you know us uh, um, the Bears trading Justin Fields to the Ravens the Ravens trading Lamar Jackson to us and then for us trading Quince Quinn and Williams to the Bears and I, I got a lot of flack like oh why would the Bears ever do that or why would the Ravens ever do that well because they don't want to pay Lamar Jackson and Fields fits their offense and they could just reset. And why would the Jets do it? The Jets obviously get Lamar Jackson. But interestingly, over 20 or excuse me, 77% of respondents said no, not to give up Q for Don't Lamar, want to give Q up. Which yeah. is crazy to me. I, I disagree that. with all those Jet fans. All of yeah. them. Every yeah. single one of you who did that poll and was like, oh my goodness, we can't get rid of Q. You get rid of a, def- a franchise defense. I would. So Aaron Donald's the best defensive tackle in our generation, right? Yeah, sure. And then let's just say Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in our generation. Just putting them at the same. I give up Aaron Donald for Patrick Mahomes in one second. That's a good point. Don't act like a franchise quarterback is not more valuable than a franchise defensive tackle. I understand Q is our guy and I love him, but if yeah. it meant giving him up to get Lamar, I'm doing it in one second. Yeah. One second because yeah. our resources that we have to pay for Q now get allocated towards another position that is going to mean more to the win column. Yes. I'm sorry. I know that may offend people, but anyway, I had to say that from the poll, but goes to show you how much people love Quinnen and how important he is to the New York Jet franchise. Yeah, and if you I mean if you look at the power ranking of positions in the NFL, obviously quarterback is number 1, not even close. But number 2 is nowhere like 2 3 4 5 6 and 7, they might be bunched up kind of tight. No, number 2 is not even close to 1. You're looking up like can't even see it. That's how important the quarterback is. So there's no comparison. There's almost no comparison in all of sports any sport to how important a quarterback is to a team. Besides, maybe, maybe a goalie, maybe a goalie, maybe a goalie, yeah, goalie can dictate it. But the thing is that a goalie half the time isn't playing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I just say this, of course, a quarterback's not playing defense as well, but when a quarterback's on the field, um, they're, they're touching the ball every single snap, you know? So, I mean, a goalie kind of chill sometimes. Maybe your team has a good defense. You don't see that many shots. You know, you can kind of a pitcher in baseball, has that effect on the game, but it's once every five days. It's not every single game like a quarterback does. Sammy, what do you think when it comes to defensive player of the year? Um, who do you got? So, I'm, you know, the coach in me is like everybody gets an award. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> you want to highlight, like, there's multiple great players on that defense, right? And yeah, um, I, I would have to give this one, I think, to CJ. Uh, okay. I gave oh, nice. the team MVP. I think Mosley deserves – I mean, again, the he misses that first year with the Jets and then consecutively has really two great years. Yeah. Um, this year kind of culminating where we wanted him and expected him to be. And I think behind the obvious rookie of the year, right, and Q, like CJ, I think without CJ and Q, right, I think that whole front seven looks totally different. And having another bulk tank – behind the main bulk tank up front yeah. just adds like a tremendous amount of depth to that defense. So I'm going to go with CJ Mosley. And I think CJ Mosley, man, like I think, cause he didn't play that 
you know, he got injured that first year in the first game. Then COVID happened. It's kind of like he's under the radar. We take him for granted how good he was. Oh, All year, I would update everyone. Oh, man, he's this. He's doing this in tackles and this and that. He ended up with 158 tackles Keith, last Mike, year. You want to know what sold me, too? I watched him hit the longest drive in the Pro Bowl competition. Now, his form, he looked like he wasn't going to hit that ball anywhere. And you know that dude must be so fucking strong. He crushed the ball 300 yards, and his, his technique was not great. He not barely good. even moved his legs at all, you know. And he smashed the ball there in the Pro Bowl. Um, I do. I mean, C.J. Mosley, probably the heart and the soul of the defense, kind of gets overlooked, like we said, underrated player. And I think it's interesting because I actually – this is how I look at it, guys. To me, Q is the most valuable guy on the team, and he plays defense. But the player on our team that defensively played the best this year of anybody – is Sauce Gardner. Not even close. Sauce Gardner is the number one ranked corner on PFF of anybody. Of any, not just the Jets, of any of any any corner in the whole league. Number one of anybody, this dude. This season, he's a rookie, right? All pro first team. He's in the Pro Bowl. We know he had the two picks. We know he had the 20 pass defended, which is the most in the NFL. I think the Jets defense is loaded. I look, Q, Quinton Williams is an absolute just man child there, throwing people around. CJ Mosley, a vet, he's a beast. But I think the defensive player of the year, just from the standpoint of the guy who played the best at his position, to me, because there's a few guys you can compare to Q, right? There's a few defensive tackles. Joseph on the Giants, Donald. There's guys in Q's class, right? There's guys in Mosley's class as a linebacker. This year, there's no cornerback that was in Sauce's class. He's by himself. So so just to be efficient, I know one of the other topics is who's the rookie of the year. It's... Sauce Gardner for yes, everything that right yeah, we could we could just skip that because what we're dealing with, Sammy. So hopefully Revis makes the Pro Bowl this week this year. I think All he fans. is first first ballot. And yeah. I try to explain to non-Jet fans how good Revis was. He's probably I and just being real, that 2009 Revis was probably the best Jet uh I've ever seen play. Okay. In my whole life. Yeah. That's how nasty he was. And Sauce is light years ahead of where Revis was when he was a rookie. That's true. Like, guys, not only does he have the physical dominance, he has the mental makeup. He has the maturity. He has the the freakish athleticism. He has the willingness to learn. He has the brand. Okay, he's already being marketed. He was marketed on the Pro Bowl. He's got commercials with, uh, what is it, Wingstop with sauces. Like, <laughs> this this kid is, I mean, he is not just a home run. Like, he could be one of the greatest Jets that we've ever had, ever. I told Keith, I don't know if there's going to be regression next year. He was so good this year. I don't know if he's going to be able to live up. It's like he already reached the pinnacle right away. And the yeah. thing is, he was nasty from day one. Nasty from day nasty. one. From the jump. From Good. the jump. I remember me and Keith, we all talked about it. We were like, that first game, his first game, we were like, yo, nobody threw on sauce. <laughs> like, yeah. no one. <laughs> like, Lamar was avoiding him. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, guys, diamond. Yeah, diamond. he's not- he has a uh, sauce. Got his. Um, he did an advertisement for Buffalo Wild Wings, where he has his own signature sauce. You know, I'm gonna be going eating that up, guys. And I think sauce was so good, and it's kind of why I gave Q the MVP. Is because you can you can like not you can just not throw the ball towards a corner, 
which is we know what happened with Revis, which which tremendous. He shut down a, a portion of the field. No one even looked over there, and that happened with Sauce as the year went on. A game would end, and me and Mike were like, "Bro, he got targeted twice in a whole game, right?" Josh Allen, like where a guy like a Quentin Williams, he's right in the middle of the line every single play. There's nothing you could do. You have to you have to deal with it every single play, no matter what. Sauce, you can try to go away from, which is what happened to me. Definitely, he's rookie of the year. Garrett Wilson had a great year. Garrett Wilson might win offensive rookie of the year in the NFL, guys. He was tremendous. And we have some, I think if Brees Hall plays the whole season, he's at the Pro Bowl. Because, I mean, Brees Hall was Brees Hall was on a run. I mean, and we have some other good rookies, man. I mean, Rucker was kind of a bust, but Mac Mitchell was pretty good. Clemens was pretty good. I mean, last year's draft class, man, really has us looking up. And I think Sauce is definitely the rookie of the year. Sammy, you have Sauce as well. I mean, I just want to make just to yeah, clarify. Just yeah. for purposes of clarification. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, guys, a couple other ones here before we talk about the Super Bowl and we get out of here. The game of the year last year. There's oh. a few games to me that are in the running for the game of the year. Now, one of them was an emotional game that we had the great comeback with the Browns guys. I mean, ending the that game was nuts. Mike, you want to say something? Oh, no, there's uh, only uh, one uh, game. There's but, only one. Uh, we, game. Guys, we had the game in Green Bay, which is that, I mean, the way we were all feeling after that game, Brees ran wild, cheese head on sauce. We just whooped Rodgers in Green Bay. But the number one game to me, of the season was that win versus the Bills and the Hill people at home and taking Josh Allen out and every single thing Mike said about Josh Allen coming to fruition in that game when they couldn't do nothing on the Jets and we win 2017 probably to me the signature win of Zach Wilson's entire career for Keith at least he played pretty efficiently that day I couldn't be with Sammy in the stadium I'm watching it on my phone heading to Salem Massachusetts almost having a heart attack what a day what a game to me the best game of the year was the Jets taking the Bills out the second time they played. What do you think, Sammy? First time they played, excuse me. What do you think, Sammy? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's the same game. Uh, just because the environment in that stadium was like nothing I had experienced in a really long time. Uh, and that'll just be a memory, right? But uh, that game, the way we played at that point in the season against the Bills was incredible. I think for me, hands down, that's... Best game of the year. What do you think, Mike? I know you got an opinion on this. A strong one, probably. Guys, I know. You, you hit on on the head. I'm an emotional guy. That's just me. That's who I am. Right? <laughs> and you're right. That Bills game was amazing. And I felt so excited when we took him out. But then the next week, we lost to the Patriots. Zach was the worst. And we just all were like, Oh my goodness, he's not the guy. Like he's not it. It, it. it we fell into doom. It's where Bill Belichick takes us. The ghost game. It, the whole fan base, all of us, were just destroyed. And then, when no one expected, okay, in the darkest nights, rises the dawn. <laughs> the white night game against the Bears. Oh boy was definitely, in my opinion, the game of the year. Because, like I said to you all, it was the game that we all believed again. It changed the full picture of the season, even though we didn't win another game. <laughs> and you know what? But we believed, we believed, we saw it. The whole, the back page, it was electric again. It was like Rex time. Like, it was, it was taking all that excitement about Mike White from last year, all the rookies, everything, and then we buried the Chicago Bears 
buried him in a typhoon. And everybody, the whole national media, everyone was like, yo, the Jets are here. They're here and they're a problem. And then we went to play the Vikings, barely lost. And then we went, you know, but after that game, that game was the game where we said, Robert Sala, this New York Jet team, this construct, we're heading in the right direction. It was the game to me that changed the full narrative, even though we didn't win another game. That had to happen for us to be where we are today. Because I guarantee you, we lose that game. And we the last game that we won was the Bills. And then the Patriots happened. We never won again. We would not be where we're at today. Robert Sala may not even have a job. That game was huge. It, we needed that to believe. Yeah, and that game, I mean, Sammy will tell you, what a miserable day to sit in the stadium. We got rained on the entire day. However, you don't care when Mike White throws for 315 and three touchdowns and you spank a team. Uh, weather weather can be damned at those moments. Guys, he played great that day. He didn't throw any more touchdowns the rest of the year. His next three games, Mike White. But for that day, I'll give it to Mike, man. He was a baller, and that was a tremendous game. Um, guys, the surprise player of the year. I think there's a few candidates you can have here. Uh, I think Garrett Wilson surprised us. I think Sauce we all thought would be good, and he he might be someone that I mean, might be one of your two's answers as well. Guys, the player I went with, though, personally, for me, the most, biggest surprise – was DJ Reed. And the reason was, man, he was kind of an under-the-radar signing. Didn't make a lot of headlines. Undersized corner. And then he finishes the year. 12 passes defended. He's one of the highest-ranked corners in the NFL. I think they had the best cornerback duo in the NFL, the Jets. I don't think anyone saw that coming. And Sauce got a lot of accolades. But you look at what they signed him for. The money they gave him was criticized by some people. But... Um, I think Joe Douglas made an amazing signing with DJ Reed. I think that was the guy that what we thought we were going to get from him and what we ended up getting from him, to me, was the biggest gap of anyone. I don't think anyone thought Sauce would be this good, don't get me wrong. But everyone else who played well, we at least thought they'd be pretty good. Um, but DJ Reed, man, he exceeded expectations for me to the highest degree and was one of the best corners in the NFL last year. After being someone the previous year, most people would not even be able to pick out of a lineup, guys. So for me, that's the su most surprising player of the year in a positive way. What do you think, Mike, when it comes to your most surprising guy? So for me, the most surprising player of the year, I, and that's a good one. I, I think DJ Reed was absolutely phenomenal this season, and I hope he continues that same trajectory next year. But the most surprising player to me was Elijah Vera Tucker because <laughs> – I just didn't know. I didn't know what we had. I knew he was a good guard. I knew he was going to be decent on the offensive line. But then we shift this cat to right tackle, and all of a sudden, no pressures? Oh, crap. Then all of a sudden, we lose our left tackle. We just shift him to the left? No pressures? What? <laughs> Son, what is this? And then you get hearing all these ex-players like, do you know how hard that is? Like, do you even understand how difficult it is to play at that level at multiple positions in one season and as young as he is. That, that has taught me, guys, we got a gem in ABT. A Not gem. Sure. Okay? That's why he was the most surprising player to me. I knew he was good. I just didn't know how good he was. Yeah, Mike, he almost like, I almost like forgot about ABT. It's a tremendous, a tremendous answer. And Sammy explained to all you guys before the season started how difficult it is to change the position on the offensive line. People are like, oh, just plug this guy in here. Not really how it works. Even if you're going from right tackle to left tackle, it's, just like, it's almost like a different position. 
Sammy, for you, who's your most surprising player of 2022? So I'm going to go off the cuff a little bit here. I, I, I'm i going with Quincy Williams. And here's why. I was looking into some of the PFF ratings of the Jets defense because I was just curious. So Quincy in two less games only had 15 less tackles, solo tackles than CJ Mosley, right? CJ only had five for a loss. He had 12 with three sacks and six quarterback hits, right? So I know he's not as good in coverage, but last year we saw him towards the end of the season really come on and we're like, who's this kid? Like Quin Quinian's brother, Quincy, this kid's a player. But this year, I think he surprised a lot of people, um, but mainly me. He, I mean, you guys know you watch all the games. He was all over the field at every point yeah. in every game. Um, and I really didn't expect him to continue. I thought it was kind of like a four or five game window. And then he was older, he was 26. So I'm yeah. like, that's all we'll see. Um, but then he has a better year, um, one that surprised a lot. So for me, he's my most surprising player. Yeah, that's a great answer, man. Three sacks also this year for him. Like you said, Sammy, 12 tackles for a loss. I know coming into the year, me and Mike weren't necessarily the most high on him, or I should say he played well last year, but he just seemed like an average linebacker to me. Not someone that's really a difference maker, but a lot of games this year, you saw him making plays and flashing, man. So it's a tremendous answer. I like how we all have different answers for some of these, man. That's that's really, at least it shows you the Jets do have some talent here. We're Especially not going to have different answers on the next one. Yeah, I think the uh, the most disappointing player of the year is uh, pretty easy to say, guys. And we know we know it's the Mill Fund. We already know. We know it's the Mormon Missile, Zach Wilson, guys. Only six touchdowns this year in nine games. He's now twenty-two games into his career with only fifteen touchdowns in his entire career. We had we spent how many months and shows and time in our life, Mike, talking about this season and how if we're going to get anywhere. We're going to need this kid to take a step, right? How, hey, look, man, maybe we won't have seven, eight, or nine wins. But if we see a big jump from Zach and we see the progression, we know we're on the right track, it's all good. And we kind of saw the opposite happen, guys. We saw the defense kind of blossom into this amazing defense, which we thought would be good, better, improved. We were last in the league. I thought we'd be decent. We were third. That came out of nowhere. We saw the offensive line struggle, but we saw running backs flash really well. Garrett Wilson flashed. And so to me, the reason he's the most disappointing, for all the reasons, I don't gotta tell, we don't got to tell Jet fans who are listening right now why he's disappointing. They already know. But to me, Mike, why it's so disappointing is from his rookie year into his sophomore year, weaponry around him was improved. His time in the pocket was increased. Less sacks, right? He kind of put himself in danger more than actually the line put him in danger. And I thought when he looked on paper, he should have taken a big jump, right? He should have been the guy like Mike White having 350 yards a game. When you look at Garrett Wilson and, and even some our, some of our tight ends, Elijah Moore, the run game we had, the defense played great. Instead, in some of these categories, he got worse. He was worse completion percentage-wise with about 150 less attempts. I mean, no, it's a I mean, yeah, well, When I just see a guy like, you know, and I know you're not the biggest fan of Brock Purdy, but Brock Purdy able to move an offense. I mean, I mean, it's just disappointing to understand that the kid has all this talent and he's just terrible. And and the most disappointing thing about Zach Wilson is that I very much hope that this uh, management group and that the New York Jets are just posturing on saying that they don't, they're not going to trade him and everything like that because I don't want to waste another second on this cat. Like, 
I already heard about all the stories about him. The team doesn't believe in him at all. That that to me is a big, big red flag. Okay, when players don't like, you know, are, are like that with him. Yeah. And, you know, we're talking all-time scrub level. Like, it's not like he's bad. He's like historic, you know, Russell status level. Yeah. Like Jamarcus Russell. Jamarcus Russell level. Yeah, okay, like, like... I don't want this cat to be near my team. I, I want him off. And 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 if we hold him and he's the backup quarterback next year, I'm going to be disappointed in this coaching staff and in Joe Douglas because the guys, the writing is on the wall and this is how you lose your job. This is how you lose your job. You fail fast and you move. And yeah. if you're not going to move and you're just going to keep him and he's just going to hang around like a fungus from – from that new show called the, you know, the last of last us, of us yeah. it's, you know, it's not going to work because you're going to end up destroying the squad. Yeah. I mean, and I'm, I, I know what your answer going to be. I just want to add this to what Mike said, because sometimes you hear people who they did this with Sam Darnold. They've done this with Mark Sanchez. They're doing it with Zach Wilson. Some people who still have faith and they want to say, look, man, plenty of quarterbacks have started out bad and turned it around. No. But that's not true though. Yeah. Plenty of quarterbacks start somewhere and then they go up. Yeah, sure. And Peyton Manning had 27 interceptions as a rookie. Yeah, okay. Look what he did his second season. No one has ever been as bad as Zach Wilson in their first two years and then turn their career around and become some great quarterback. It doesn't happen. It does not happen. And you could say maybe if you want, people can go, what about Geno Smith? It took Geno Smith 10 years. You know, so Jets don't have 10 years to wait around for Zach Wilson to get good. We're going to be good next year. So Zach Wilson, like Mike said, I don't want him part of the plan. Sammy, would he be your most disappointing guy from last year? Yeah, absolutely. And everything Mike said, second, right? Like, get rid of the guy, move on. I don't understand the point of keeping him. You've seen enough. You don't need to see any more. Yeah. Take him off the field. Put Mike White as your backup. Because, again, I trust the White Knight to come in if someone does get hurt and take a W. We don't need Zach Wilson. Promote Straggler if you want. I'll take him on the starting squad. But get rid of Wilson. It's time to move on. Sammy, every single player, okay, that played with Zach Wilson as a quarterback, talking, you know, all the way back to his rookie year, operated the offense better than he did. Right. Every one of them. Every one. Joe Flacco, who's washed in a hundred. He was on those huevos not one season ago. And that dude's running it better than Zach Wilson. And even, I mean, Josh Johnson, who we saw pop in the game last week for the Niners. Had 300 and something yards versus the Colts uh, when Mike White got hurt. And he it was only in three quarters. Uh, yeah, and, you know, and Joe Flacco's had multiple 300-yard games as a Jet. And then Mike White has every game he had was basically 300 yards. So everybody not named Zach Wilson has played quarterback and had some success, at least statistically. Yeah, and it seems like it's just maybe not upstairs for Zach. Like maybe he just doesn't understand football at that kind of high level. Yeah. And he just can't put it together because – that's honestly what it seems like. Yeah. You know, even Mark Sanchez, to a point, took us to two AFC championship games. Yeah, yeah, sure. At least he kind of figured it out. Like, Zach, at no point, has figured anything out. And Mark Sanchez forever will have given us that game versus the Patriots where I would, me and Mike were oh, crying man. like baby. So, Mark Sanchez, even though I didn't have faith in him and Michael mentioned, I didn't think he was the best quarterback, still, in a big moment, had a great game and came up huge and threw a touchdown pass to Santonio Holmes. We will all remember for the rest of our lives. Great catch by you, Holmes. I appreciate that. Um, Wilson doesn't really have those games, and maybe the best game he played 
like I said, was that first game on um, November 6th against the Bills. And he only threw for 154 yards, but he was pretty efficient. But just never statistically did you feel like you can trust him. So the jump we all hoped he took this year. Remember the last five games of last year? He didn't turn the ball over. We were all excited about that. Didn't mean anything. Didn't mean anything, guys. He, he crumbled. When the pressure got worse, he crumbled. You know, and a lot of stuff happened with Zach that um, really kind of are red flags to let you know that this is probably a guy that in a couple of years isn't going to be in the NFL, at least Agreed. as far as I'm concerned. Um, Agreed. Two more, two more quick categories, guys. Then we're going to talk about the Super Bowl and we're getting out of here, guys. The best offseason signing by the Jets. Now, in this category, you have Berrios coming back. You have Uzoma, Tomlinson, Whitehead. They brought Flacco in. They brought Greg DeLeg in. Tyler Conklin. So they brought a lot of guys in this uh, this offseason, guys, free agency-wise. Mike, who do you think was the best acquisition we made, though, from a free agent standpoint? DJ Reed, like everything you said. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, – I mean, I agree with that completely, Sammy. I don't know if that's your guy or not. Yeah, that's my guy, too. For me, we mentioned it before when it came to the most surprising player, and it's all the same reasons when it comes. If you look at the money they gave him, um, which was not necessarily elite number one money, but it's a pretty good contract he got. Uh, and I think when we signed him, Mike, me and you did a deep dive. We looked into it. He was ranked high on PFF. The height was an issue for a lot of people. Can he play as a legit corner, you know, in the NFL, every single snap with a size? And he said it wasn't a problem. And guess what? It was not a problem. Not only is the guy a good defender, he had 80 tackles. 80 tackles last year, which is ridiculous for cornerbacks. So him and Sauce have no problem hitting people. So we're all on the same page with that. And let's get to this last one, guys. The best moments of 2022 doesn't have to be the best game i'm talking about the best moment of the year sammy what do you think when i'll go to you first mike what do you think the best moment of last season what was it for you it's when everything turned from the jets are the worst team in the league to me the jets may actually have something and that was when they lost the first game and the and salah said hey you know we're taking receipts and then we played the browns and had that comeback win <laughs> and it was just and you could just feel it like this team is different that was the moment of the year to me because it showed again the the pivot from where the jet the you know the worst team in the nfl to an ascending young team my that's a tremendous answer and that was an absolutely amazing moment in this year and even like in jets history that browns game what do you think sammy what was your best moment of 2022 yeah, for me, it's the Browns game um, for two reasons, though. One, I've never seen or rarely see an onside kick recovered like that. And then yeah. that's, well, that wins. That's like the whole thing was wild, right? But also, like, shout out to my Cleveland buddies who watch our show. Like, they're all Browns. So it was even better. The amount of trash talk, and I just said nothing all week. And then the amount that I got to do for the next five days on a win like that was incredible. And as a Jeff fan, I know the whole universe understands when you get those moments, sometimes you got to capitalize on them because usually it's us who are getting talked down to. Um, so for me, that Browns game was legit, not only just a turning point, but uh, was like you felt so high as a Jet fan. And it's been a while since we've been there. Yeah. And Jet fans, just to bring you back there, the Jets were losing 30 to 17. The Browns just scored a touchdown and it was a minute and 55 seconds left in the game. So I know, I know there's Jets fans listening right now that turned the game off in the car, that turned the television off. They were like, all right, what did you, they have, the, the wife had a list of things to do, like, babe, I'm going to go take care of this. The game's over, right? Uh, but guess what? Two plays, 75 yards, Joe Flacco touchdown to Corey Davis. Onside's kick, and there's 22 seconds left after a nine-play drive within one minute. Touchdown to Garrett Wilson, kind of his, 
his entry point into the NFL for Jet fans. That big touchdown to win the game. Guys, that game was historic. And that was what I had as the best moment of the year. But then I started thinking to myself, what, what point this year, what brought me the most joy this season? What moment brought Keith the most joy? And the moment was in Green Bay when my boss Sauce walked out with a cheese head on. And oh, the Green yeah. Bay fans had to just say, damn, the Jets just whooped us at home. And now their young rookie has a cheese head on. And it was on the cover of the paper. And it went national. It was kind of the game. People were like, who's this sauce guy? Played great in this game. He's playing good five or six games. My best moment that just made me feel great this year didn't even happen during the game. It was after the game. It was sauce rocking that cheese head, guys. Yeah, I love that. And, then, of course, and the Browns game, I mean, I kind of have, I have them both written down here. Because to me, it's kind of like a tie. Because I had like an out-of-body experience. So we went ahead in that game. I couldn't even believe it. I couldn't believe it happened. Those type of things don't happen to the Jets. You know, and even in NFL history, that is a historic comeback. And you look at historic comebacks in this league, the Monday Night Miracle, New York Jets. Okay? The the, the game versus the Browns, um, one of the greatest comebacks with that amount of time left in the history of the league, New York Jets. So, hey, I know we're the underdog. I know we don't have the greatest history. But you can't count this team out. Because every once in a while, we just pull one right out of our ass and shock the world, guys. Um, Let's get to these... Super Bowl picks here, guys. Now, because last week, Samuel, you got both your picks right. You were 10 and 2 prior to that. Now you're 12 and 2. Okay. Michael, you were also 10 and 2 going to the last week. You guys have been absolutely killing it this playoffs, guys, the two of you. Michael, you went with the Bengals and the Eagles. You went one and one. Okay. And your boy here also picked um the Chiefs and the Eagles. So the standings as of right now, Sammy's 12 and 2. This heading into the final game. Mike and I are 11 and 3. So the three of us, I mean, let's be serious. I know we're not picking spreads. I know we're not picking spreads here, guys. We've been nailing these games, though. I mean, I, last year was, Sammy, you did go with the Bengals, but overall, we were all kind of did okay. This year, the three of us are killing it. Wookie is like that horse that just starts off fast. You know, in that first quarter of the race, everyone's like, oh, look at the purple horse. And by the end, that guy's just sucking wind deep in the back. That's where the Wookie's at right now, because he got both picks wrong last week. Wookie, I love you to death, but man, you faded quick. Uh, let's get into the Super Bowl game, guys, and we'll get out of here. Chiefs, Eagles, kind of the Super Bowl I was hoping for. I think it's the two best teams to me, guys. They're both 14-3 and three in the regular season. Both number one seeds. Both handled their business going through the playoffs here. Made it to the Super Bowl. Evenly matched. I mean, it doesn't really get better than this. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for this game. When you don't have a horse in the race and emotionally attached, makes it a lot easier also. Um, let's go to Sammy first. What are you thinking in the Super Bowl? Chiefs, Eagles. Eagles right now, Sammy. One and a half point favorites to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, so I am going to stick with the original sheet I sent you and pick the Eagles. I think they're going to win this game, man. I just do. I mean, I know Patty Mahomes showed up injury and all last week, but I think the run game's too good. I think the defense is too opportunistic. I don't think Kansas City's defense can do what the Eagles' defense can do. Uh, and for the Super Bowl to you know, pan out the way it should, right, you have to win – all three phases of that football team, most importantly, offensively and defensively. I think the Eagles and Chiefs can keep up with each other, but I just think the Eagles' defense gives them that edge, and I think they win this game. Yeah. What do you think, Mike? Eagles, Chiefs, I know preseason. Let's give Mike some credit. Before the season started, Mike picked the Eagles to get to the Super Bowl, guys. Yes, he did. Now, I picked the Chiefs to get to the Super Bowl for the AFC. That's not, near, that's not nearly as going out on their limb is what Mike did, all right? So, I mean, if you score it, we get the same amount of points, but I'm going to give Mike a lot more credit because I don't think a lot of people thought the Eagles were going to get be this good and get this far, but Mike did even before the season started. So, kudos to you, Mike. Eagles, Chiefs, are you still riding with your boys in this game? Do you think the Eagles take a dub, Mike? 
Hey, uh, my preseason Super Bowl champions were the Philadelphia Eagles, and I'm going to stick with it. And I do think they're going to win. And I don't think they're going to win just because I'm trying to be right from the beginning. I just think they're overall the better team. They have a better defense. They have a better running game. They have comparable quarterback play, but obviously Kansas City has a better quarterback overall. Um, I think the teams are evenly matched. But um, I do think in the end that the Eagles have the better weapons over holistically. And I like the coach as well. He's a young coach. Um, the only thing that gives me pause is the Andy Reid revenge. That gives me pause. Mm. It does. <laughs> yeah. I will not lie because I feel it. Like, I think the Eagles are better and I think they're going to win. But I won't be surprised the Chiefs win because that revenge stuff is cold, man. Yeah. It's cold. So. And these, these, man, these Super Bowl games, like uh, Jalen Hurts does not strike me as somebody that is going to have the moment be too big for him at all. I mean, in college or through his career here, I mean, he's he just seems like a very composed dude. The Super Bowl is the Super Bowl. How someone plays or how they feel or the nerves they have. I remember I remember Donovan McNabb got throwing up first the pass. Like he was so nervous. I mean, you never know what you're going to get. Donovan McNabb, when he got there, he was already played nine or ten years. So you never know what you're going to get. But, I mean, when I came into this, I was thinking, all right, let me go through this. Let me, I think the Chiefs are going to win. I started doing the research. And, you know, when I saw the way that Patrick looked last week, with his ankle going against a Bengal front line. That's good. In a Bengal defense, that's good. Nowhere near what the Eagles are about to bring. Eagles have the most sacks in the NFL by a mile, right? The Eagles defense is ranked second in the NFL, right? Now, the KC defense isn't that bad. It's ranked 11. It's pretty good, too. But when you, like these guys are saying, when you look at everything, like the, the KC offense is number one, Philly's number three. They're not, they're not far back. Philly's number five when it comes to the pass. Excuse me, when it comes to the rush in the league, um, Casey's right around 20. When I looked at it all, guys, I don't think I think if Patrick was 100% healthy, I'd ride with the Chiefs, right? But I didn't see that from him last week, and I don't know. Offensive line for the Chiefs is good, but I mean, the Eagles they, they're a problem, their defensive line, and and then and their linebackers as well. When it comes to the, the blitzing attack, they bring guys they had over 70 sacks this year. Um, and you, you when you look when you go through everything on the two teams, one thing I did find interesting is that. You can throw the ball on Kansas City. When it comes to defensively, they were 18th against the pass, KC, right? And then when you look at Philly, you can you can you can run the ball on Philly. They were 17th against the rush. But what are the two things the teams do good? Philly runs the ball good. And KC throws the ball good. So it's like what each team would have to do to succeed offensively is kind of go against what their strength is, on paper at least, right? And when you look at games like that. The team with the better defense, when things are that close, right? The team with the better defense usually wins. And that's why I'm rolling with the Eagles, with my boys here, guys. I know it's not going to get me. I should go against and try to get this dub on Sammy in the Super Bowl. But I got to pick on my heart, man. I think the run up to this game for KC, and this is one thing that had me leaning KC slightly, guys, was that they had to play a good Jacksonville team and get the dub versus a good team. And then they played the Bengals, which after KC and the Eagles, probably the best team to me in the league right now overall. So that's KC's path, where the Eagles' path was, no offense to the Wook, was a really, really bad job. Probably the worst team in the playoffs was the New York Giants, and they got surrounded. And also, they played San Francisco last week. Purdy got hurt immediately. It was like they have not faced a stiff competition game probably in six weeks, seven weeks, guys. So that concerns me a little bit. So let me ask you a question, guys. If if KC wins, where does Mahomes – 
lay in the in the ether of greatest quarterbacks all time. He cracks top ten with that with that double chip. And the, we try to think uh, how third. many how many quarterbacks have won. I'm gonna type it in right now. Let's see, guys. How many QBs have won multiple two Super Bowls? It's not, not that, many, right? Not many. Not um, many. And this would be number three Super Bowl he's been in. Yeah, he right. would have been to three, one, two. I mean, I mean I, look. Go ahead, go ahead, Sammy. Yeah, I would say yeah. I would yeah, say yes. He cracks top ten. He's super young, so he's got infinite amount of time left. Yep. So you're like, all right. I mean, he's bound to win at least one more, and that puts him at four. Yep. Um, and that definitely puts him in the top ten for me. And statistically, what he's able to do year in, he's got another five thousand passing yards. Like the guy is ridiculous. You know, even without Tyreek Hill, he still lit it up. So yeah, he had more yards passing this year than the previous year, and that's without Tyreek Hill. And it kind of shows you how talented he is as a quarterback. I don't think any of us really doubted it. Um, but a lot of people were like, man, Tyreek Hill is one of the Dolphins. How's Mahomes going to do? I mean, he just he was unstoppable this year, the entire year, even with a bum ankle. Guys, I just looked it up. Quarterbacks that have won more than one Super Bowl. Barstar, Roger Staubach, Bob Greasy, Jim Plunkett. All those guys, I'm going to put Mahomes than any of those guys. Elway, Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, Troy Aikman, Bradshaw, Montana, and Tom Brady. That's a short list. That is a short list. And if this kid gets his second Super Bowl, I think this is, what, his sixth season? If he gets his second Super Bowl and he's been in three, um, he's going to be up there. Uh, when, when you say top 10 all times and stuff like that, it's hard to project that now. Let's see how his whole career pans out. But, I mean, it's hard to argue it also. Just look at the list we just looked at. He had 50 touchdowns the first year. He was actually a starter. His win-loss record is absolutely ridiculous. Statistically, he ranks up there with any quarterback that's ever played in the NFL. He averages almost 300 yards a game. So, um, I think Mahomes, Mahomes is special. And we know he's a different type of quarterback. And he's not anything the Jets have ever encountered on our team. And we know nothing about that life, that amazing quarterback life. Um, and he he's the reason, Mike, like when, I, when I'm like, oh, I'm picking the Eagles. The back of my head, I'm like, this. Mahomes still kind of figures it out. They always figures out a way to win. Even last week, they're playing the Bengals. The game's going how it's going. On a bum ankle, he makes a rush, gets the first, then he gets the roughing the passer. Uh, the, uh, the late hit, I'm sorry. I'm and just going to – Go ahead, Mike. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I mean, it just seems like he always manages to figure out a way to win, this kid. And he always manages to make the right play at the right time. And that's obviously indicative of a great quarterback. He has a great coach, one of the best offensive minds in the history of the NFL as his coach. Tremendous weapons on the team. But I think he's the guy that makes all those weapons better. I don't think Travis Kelsey is Travis Kelsey if he's playing on a different team. Um, I don't think Juju Smith-Schuster is having almost 1,000 yards on any other team at this point right now, right? But he did on the Chiefs, and he missed a couple games even. So, uh, man, Patrick Mahomes definitely is putting himself up there, Mike, in the upper echelon of all-time quarterbacks if he can manage to get this W this weekend. I'm just going to say this one fact. And, and this is a fact for me. He doesn't need seven to be the best ever. Just going to say that. I'm just putting that out there into the. No, air. well, yeah. I mean, if we're gonna re- if we're gonna be honest about it, Brady's the goat to most people. I think Tom Brady's one of the greatest players in the history of the NFL. But no quarterback had ever been suspended four games for deflating a football. Right? Only just one saying. guy that's ever happened to. Just and saying. no team aside from the Patriots. Had won a Super Bowl and then the following year lost the first round pick and been fined a million dollars. All these things are cheating. Look, I get it, guys. You think it's spilled milk, but it's the truth. It, it's it's the truth. It's just the way it is. So Tom Brady and any other sport would have an asterisk or a dark cloud over him, you know. Like, um, but when it comes to football, we don't do that. NFL goes up the they go to Foxborough, take the tapes and destroy the tapes. No one ever knows what happens. But I think Mahomes is putting himself up there as one of the goats, guys. I can't wait for this game this weekend. I'm so excited. I think the AEBG awards went tremendously, guys. I'm happy to hand those out to Jets players. Pretty soon, next week and the week after, when we get going, it's basically the start of the next season. 
right? We're going to start. We're going to start talking about free agents. We're going to talk about the NFL draft. Who's going to be our quarterback? I mean, this offseason is going to be a lot of fun. Last year, we had a blast with free agents. We had a blast with the draft. But this year, we have some uncertainty at that quarterback position. Oh, man. It's going to be a lot of good shows, a lot of fun with everyone. Who, whoever we land, it's going to be a blast, guys. I can't wait for that. But, Michael, if anyone does want to get at us or support us in any way, shape, or form, how could they do that? Guys, you know that we're on YouTube. Please like and subscribe. We really appreciate anybody who gives us uh, a like and listen. Uh, on Facebook, we're at AEBG.JetsRadio. On Twitter, at AEBG underscore NYJ Podcast. And on Instagram, at Jet.AEBG. You heard the man on behalf of the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Agaris, and the greatest high school football coach in the nation today, Sammy O'Hare. My name's Keith Farrell. Get at you next week, everybody. Peace out.